fantasy fans, and welcome to Swords and Satire, the podcast where we turn low fantasy into high art. Finger guns. <laughs> Finger guns, indeed. I'm your dungeon manager, Jamie Mogul, here with my monstrous co-hosts. You know, I've been formally trained as a magician, and my name is Chelsea Hollowell, and... Besides being a magician, I'm also a wizard. Uh, you're a magician and a wizard? Yeah. That's interesting. I'm a sorcerer and Whoa. a warlock. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so as a warlock, were you conscripted because you had magical talent? Or, or did you need more power? You know, with this charisma, nobody conscripts me. Wait, is that a cell phone? I'm not sure. <laughs> Mein Gott. Wow. That's a lot of power. <laughs> uh, it turns out I'm also a wizard. My name is Jack Olander. I'm a court mage of a kingdom with no name. And I have no name as a, as a wizard. In fact, but I'm in all the wizard meetings. I'm just standing in the background. <laughs> I don't say anything, though. Uh, so You don't even say, yeah, that's right. No, there's a scene where I raise my hand. Oh. But, you know, as the wizards don't talk. I like how you well, I like how you said you're <laughs> you're Jack but you don't have a name. His wizard Not a wizard name. Right. Oh, I see. I see. You're not like Jack the Bespoke? No, I'm uh I'm like Jack in the background. If I had a wizard <laughs> name, I'd like to be Jamie the Punctual. <laughs> oh, I like that. Cuz everybody likes somebody who's punctual. Yeah. Does that mean you yeah. use portals like Yennefer to get around? Oh, let's not get into that. Casey might hate us. <laughs> I don't I don't think she ever uses portals again. Um, you know, when you're playing with portals, I guess that's it. Now you're playing with portals. <laughs> that's what that's what they say in in Portal. Oh. Now you're playing with portals. Whoa! Uh, <laughs> My natural talent is actually um being easily uh persuaded. That doesn't seem like a great talent, huh? <laughs> yeah, you're right. But <laughs> while we're on the subject, would you be interested in buying these magic beans? Uh, should I? I think you probably should. Oh, then yes. Yeah. They'll lead to a bag of gold in the clouds because they'll create a beanstalk, you know. Oh, that sounds good. I mean, the important thing to know is that it is magic. I like magic. I'm a mage. <laughs> well, guys, without any further ado, why don't we <laughs> talk about what we're going to be talking about this week? Oh, yeah. And that thing. We're here to do a podcast. We are here to do a podcast. Mm -hmm. And on this episode of this podcast, we are going to be talking about the Witcher, Season 1, Episode 7, Before a Fall, the penultimate episode of the first season of The Witcher. Do you think it's before the fall, like a fall, like one of the falls of your life? I thought it meant like before like a fall, like the season of fall. Right. That's what I'm saying. Oh, no, actually, I believe it means like before a collapse. Oh, okay. Sorry. But hey, guys, why don't we do a quick recap of what this episode is like? Maybe like a few key <laughs> takeaways from the episode. Crazy talk, I know. Yeah, well, yeah, let's get let's do a summary for Witcher before a fall. Okay, so Ciri's a little bit more active in her traveling. She has to travel alone now. And she's trying to get to Skellige because she thinks that's where Geralt is. And she's just kind of learned how to get by on the streets. She's become a yeah. street tough in her uh, short travels. Yeah. <laughs> she, um... Learns that you have to trade for things or just steal them, you know, if you really need it that bad. Need, need a horse? Just grab a horse. 
They're just standing there. From that nice lady that said she'd give you a, a warm place and some food. She offered her a horse. Fucking. <laughs> this is really, I mean, we could get into this, but, you know. Fucking Strong indictment is... of the upper, so-called upper classes just taking what they want from the poor. Yeah. That lady was a fucking rube, though. <laughs> And ageist. What, you think I'm not going to steal from you just because I'm a kid? This is Siri talking. Yeah. Great Siri impersonation. <laughs> I'm a fucking kid. I steal shit. <laughs> if this was in, uh, you know, modern day, that's how she would speak. Yes. I'm just translating for you all. Um, <laughs> so she steals the horse, tries to make her own way down the road to Skellige. I mean, hopefully she knows where she's going. She just kind of bounces. The horse knows how to get there. And she's talking to the horse like Geralt does. That was pretty cool. And then, uh, she's accosted. Her, like, elder magic kicks in and she blasts everybody away from her and speaks a prophecy. Boom. About the white flame, I think. Meanwhile, Geralt has come to Sintra to check in on Ciri. Uh, this is a little bit in the pa in the past of the timeline. This is actually the time just before the first episode of the show where we are seeing Nilfgaard coming and attacking Sintra. But we're there like just before that. Geralt shows up. He's looking for Mausak. He forces Mausak to, like, help him teleport away from some guards who are hunting him because Queen Calanthe is trying to imprison Geralt so that he cannot take Ciri away from her. She doesn't trust that fool. I mean, we'll see what happens when you mess with fate. Oh, surprise! Nilfgaard comes and fucking murders you when you <laughs> try to yeah. deny fate. I know. But before that happens... The king of uh, Sintra has Geralt imprisoned and Geralt makes his daring escape from the dungeons by smashing a poor guard's head against the cell doors and he leaves the opposite direction that Ciri's going. Oops! Yep. <laughs> and in this episode, Yen visits and is rejected by one of her <laughs> ex-boyfriends. Yeah! Istrid. Very cool. Yeah. Yes. Istrid. Then after that, she gets told by another mage, like, oh, by the way, uh, let's go back to where you went to school. They're having a mage meeting. And Yen is like, well, I got nothing better to do. That right? that place is Eratusa, the mage's college slash council house place. Yes. The Hogwarts of this particular setting. Yen goes back. And is triggered by seeing young girls also training to be mages. Something Yen had a rough experience with. Yep. So she chooses to disillusion these excited children and tell them, like, hey, you think you're young women? And they're like, yeah, we do. And she's like, guess what? You're eels. And then they're Eels what? in waiting. <laughs> eels in waiting. You're not a person. You're a fish. Eel in absentia. <laughs> <laughs> and then her teacher mother figure to say comes to say it she's like yen fucking cut it out <laughs> <laughs> and yen is just a little miffed and the kids leave pissed off <laughs> that some human act that some adult acted inappropriately around <laughs> <laughs> So then Yen is taken to a council meeting of all the big wizards. And they're like, Sintra's being invaded by Nilfgaard. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> they don't fund the mages. And they don't have a court mage from us. So now that they're getting attacked, I say we let them die. Yeah, they're like, well, they don't want to be under our control. Let them die. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, and then... Uh, some people, Yen's, yeah, Yen's teacher to say is like, hey, let's give Sintra a chance. Prove why we're useful by being useful. Yeah. And she's like, come on, am I right, people? And then 
You know what her problem was? What? She made too much sense. It's true. It's true. That'll get and, you every time. And probably because she's a woman, too. More on that later. Probably. More later. I think that's a theme. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> Stregobor is like, Yen, what would you do? You haven't been around here in a while. You fucked up a country, right? <laughs> <laughs> what would you do about this fucked up country? And Yen is like, okay, uh, I, you really just said that in front of everyone, didn't you? You really just went ahead and said that, didn't you? Yeah, but then uh, somebody well, else is like, yeah, but Stregobor is only good at killing young princesses who are prophesied to be powerful. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that was, was good. That was to say. That was really good. She dabbed yeah. on him. Yeah, and then Yen was like, if I had my way of things, I would just burn this building I'm in to the ground. <laughs> and everyone is just like, Yen, what the fuck? That's not what we're talking about. She goes hard, dude. <laughs> if I had a choice, I'd kill everyone in this room. Yen, what the fuck? She, she's just like, let it all burn. <laughs> let it all burn. I want to burn Eratusa. Shit, all right, whatever. Okay, let's vote. Should we help Sintra? Probably not, right? And everyone is like, nah, let's not do it. And meanwhile, Fringilla comes back, uh, yeah. the court mage of Nilfgaard, spouting the party line of the expansionist Nilfgaardian Empire, who is basically just ready to murder their way across the lands. Yep. Yep. After the meeting, Taseya is like, we're still going to fight. And she's begging Yennefer to fight with them. Yeah. And she's, oh, yeah. She's like, oh, if you're not going to do it for Eratusa, because you don't like it here, uh, would you do it for me? We're kind of like, we're kind of like pals, right? <laughs> <laughs> and Yen is like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Yep, that pretty much does it right there. We kind of end on that note. <laughs> yeah, roll credits, and why don't we get into it and talk about <laughs> what's really going on in this episode. I'm sort of like your implied mom, right? To say as the mother figure that Yennefer never knew she needed and definitely did not want. I know this interaction makes me think about the theme that's kind of running through the whole episode. That's about loyalty and trust and kind of includes betrayal in there too. With a dash of lineage. Yep. And the transfer of power. But hey, let's talk about all that stuff. That sounds like, those sound like themes that would be interesting to discuss <laughs> on this analytic podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Yen doesn't really have too much loyalty to anyone except for herself. Oh, oh, yeah. No, just herself. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she just is looking out for number one, you know, because she doesn't think anybody else is going to take care of her so yeah yen doesn't have loyalty to any cause or institution or other person she just cares about herself that's why she wouldn't be a very good mother i think she finally gave up on that shit though now that juxtaposes nicely with the nilf guardians who are actually incredibly fanatical loyal to the point where when Geralt is killing a Nilfgaardian that is trying to, that is part of the raiding party at the capital of Sintra, yeah. he's like, oh, you can't do anything to me. I've ascended, like, I'm going to ascend. Like, you can't defeat this empire. I've been saved and I'll be born anew after you kill me. They're fanatical. They've been indoctrinated into this cult led by their new, like, kind of prophet king. Yeah. And, and, you know, that could have been Yen's position. Yeah. Was, was going to be, she was going to be the court wizard at Nilfgaard because of her, let's say, rash decision to have her body transmogrified. 
she was able to get a different appointment that she ended up really hating, actually. But then Fringilla got sent to Nilfgaard and becomes this powerful, fanatical mage who is helping the Nilfgaardians conquer the world, basically. Yeah, and I mean, the reason that Yen only is loyal to herself is because she thinks the whole world is out to get her because of her abused past and also she thinks everyone else is stupid right and um she thinks that nobody would have her back or show loyalty to her she can't trust anyone so she thinks she can only trust and rely on herself maybe it's because whenever she's around people she tries to mind control them into weird sex orgies it could be part of it you know she has a blind spot there i guess yeah (laughs) <laughs> a little consent problem too, but we've talked we talked about that in a previous episode. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the Nilf Guardians are basically a cult. They are acting out of this belief in this prophecy that their prophet king is perpetuating. It's propaganda, basically, to keep him in power. But he actually does seem to believe it too. It's questionable if Fringilla believes it or not. Or if it's a convenient myth to control people and keep herself in power. Yeah, I mean, she toes the party line because it's working out real well for her right now. Yeah, they're basically taking over the whole uh, countryside. Burninating it, too, I think. (laughs) Yeah, it came up in the meeting that, oh, what was that Trogdor? Reference right there? Mm -hmm. That's pretty good. Oh, uh, it it, it came up in the meeting. That uh, someone is like, oh, Nilfgaard, they're going to stop once they take Sintra. They said so. And I forget who said it. Maybe it was Tissaia. They were like, what? You actually believe that? No, they're just going to take over the entire continent. Why would they stop at Sintra? <laughs> they're definitely not going to do that. Yeah. Fringilla claims that they're just trying to take over Sintra and Tissaia isn't fooled by that. Now, let's do a little thought experiment here. What if the timelines were switched and Yennefer did end up going to Nilfgaard? Would she have led them on this expansionist attack? Or, you know, would the fates have been different without Fringilla's, uh, like, I guess, apt uh, war mage qualities? I think that it would be worse. I think that her... Lust for power would have driven her to create an even more brutal expansionist empire. With more portals. She probably would have set herself up as like a god consort queen or something. That's to right. To the prophet king. You know what I'm saying? I could definitely see that timeline. Yeah. Like where she's like, oh, maybe I'm also in charge. I also see the timeline where she just kills the king. Yeah. Where he's like, let's take over the world, bitches. And she's like, no. <laughs> and then just like spells him. But she wants to see everything burn. So maybe she would. I don't oh, yeah. I don't think they would try to convert people under her, though. I think she would just want everybody to die. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's. She she's real edgy. She's very angsty, but I think she's got that slight inclination toward helping people. Yeah, and I think Geralt brings it out of her mm-hmm. a little bit in that dragon episode. Yeah, when they're fighting to protect the dragons together. But of course, she wouldn't have ever met Geralt if she had taken the appointment at Nilfgaard. Oh, yeah, it's true. So it couldn't have happened because that's not what fate had in store. It's true. She did use the rake to push the eels in the pond. Yeah. (laughs) In both timelines. Yeah. But um, with the issue of betrayal, it usually uh, seems to come about when characters feel like they can't trust somebody else and they betray them like... Queen Calanthe betrays Geralt and denies him his right of surprise because she doesn't want to give up her daughter and she doesn't trust granddaughter. Granddaughter. 
And she doesn't trust him when he says that he will bring Cirilla back after the war is over. He promised Calanthe that he wouldn't just take her away. He was going to bring her back, keep her safe, and then return her home. And we know that Geralt's a man of his words, or yeah. a witcher of his words. Yeah. Calanthe doesn't trust him ever since that whole thing where he <laughs> helped a hedgehog marry her daughter, I guess. In in Calanthe's words. Yeah. Or some variation of her words. Well, and she blames him for the death of her daughter because Pavetta leaves with uh the hedgehog knight. And they In it, human form. Yeah. They they travel somewhere and their ship is lost at sea. That's why Calanthe's been raising Siri. Yeah. But a very isolated and sheltered life in the castle where Siri's not even supposed to go out and like have friends. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, King Ice betrays Geralt when he goes along with what Calanthe wants and, and imprisons Geralt because out of lo it's out of loyalty to Queen Calanthe, his wife. And something we haven't mentioned yet is one of the betrayals that Calanthe tries to pull off is sending a probably peasant girl off with Geralt instead of Ciri. Yeah. Like that was going to work in the long term. Like something was not going to come out at some point that she was not actually Ciri. <laughs> yeah. Well, it would have only been the duration of the Nilfgaardian invasion, right? Uh, Yeah, basically. That's a good point. But I mean, yeah. that is the show definitely sets it up for the audience to infer that it is possible that the yeah. reason Nilfgaard conquers and overthrows Sintra is because Calanthe tried to deny Geralt his child surprise. That is the superstition that's perpetuated by Mausik. That's what he says. But it's also kind of confirmed throughout the show that like superstitious beliefs, especially about trying to dodge fate, are actually accurate and true. Yeah, it seems to be. Like, you can make your own inferences totally, but it seems pretty strongly weighted towards, yeah, don't fuck with fate. Fate will fuck back. <laughs> and let me tell you, fate fucks. Hard. Yeah, hard. <laughs> <laughs> Give a child to your witcher. <laughs> And the, yeah. we find out the reason that Nilfgaard invaded Sintra was because they were looking for Cirilla, and she's connected to their prophecy. And the prophecy that she speaks near the end of the episode has to do with what we've heard the Nilfgaardians repeating, something about the white flame. I, I don't totally have an easy time retaining their babblings, but... um. The man with the bird on his head mentioned that he was chosen by the white flame. Right. There shall be a great poop, and with the great poop there will also be a pee. <laughs> and the foul's <laughs> fetid wind <laughs> will sweep the lands. Oh, with a poop and a pee and a witcher make three. And... <laughs> Did it rhyme? All good prophecies All rhyme. All good prophecies Remember. rhyme. Well, it's hardly a prophecy. If it's nigh, then it's like saying a car is about to hit you when it's a foot away. Yeah, I guess it's like a warning. <laughs> yeah. So we've got a copy of the prophecy here, and we'll just read the first part of what Siri says. And it is, Verily I say unto you, the era of the sword and axe is nigh, the era of the wolf's blizzard. The time of the white chill and the white light is nigh, the time of madness and the time of contempt. Ted Dera, the time of end. This is an apocalyptic prophecy that we're yeah. having oh, Siri repeating. So do you think that the uh, wolf is a reference to the white wolf? I'm Geralt? guessing the wolf's blizzard is probably Geralt, right? The white wolf. And his majestic white hair. Oh, yeah. Yes. And if you recall, his hair is white because his mother fucked a snowman. <laughs> and snow comes from blizzards. Yep. That and seems accurate. Yes. 
And this world has magic, so there you go. Yes. <laughs> it's just a thought. Just a thought. Good thought. <laughs> the chi- time of the white chill and the white light. The time of madness and the time of contempt. And we've got some conjunction of the sphere stuff going on, yeah. the lights and madness and all this good stuff. That's right. Well, the madness could be about the whole continent going to war, basically. Yeah, it's true. Also, what was Yennefer's ex-boyfriend's name again? Istrid. Istrid is in an archaeological dig site that he is overseeing, looking at artifactual spires with writings that predate the conjunction of the spheres. Right. Which brought humanity to this world. Great point. So those findings might have something to do with this nighness. That is a Nilfgaardian funded expedition and archaeological dig that Istrid is is on. He's kind of living the life that he wanted to live that he kind of told Yen like, you know, we could like do this thing. I could be an archaeologist, dig up ruins. You can like do anything you want to do. We can do it together. And she kind of calls back to that in her meeting with him. And it's like, oh, you're living the life that you wanted, but I would have never been happy like that. It's like, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that Yennefer even knows how to be happy. She tries to come crawling back to Istrid because she feels directionless. And it's not really because she wants to be with him, and that's super clear. And he picks up on that, too. And he's basically just like, look, I feel like you betrayed me. I spent years trying to gain access to ruins in the kingdom where you were stationed, and you always denied my requests. I, I'm not taking you back. <laughs> I mean, Yen is, is nothing if not self-interested and petty, so there's yeah. no surprise there. It's true. She's a narcissist. It's too bad. They have kind of a sweet moment until he realizes, like, you can kind of see that wash over his face where he's like, oh, I remember what you did to me. Yeah. Oh, it's a little cringy, though. Because there's the scene where she's like, hey, let's give it another go, right? pal of mine let's uh let's um want to make out right and he's just like uh and she leans in and she's kissing him and he's just kind of like sitting there yeah. he's sort of kissing her back but she's really doing it all and then afterwards he's like hey so i think we shouldn't do this and i'm like <laughs> oh god oh it was it just like the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, they're both into it. And then this time I'm like, he's not into it. Yeah, I I did too. I, I misremembered it as well. I, I saw it for how it was this time. He is really not. He's like. He's barely moving. I know. He has a moment where he like is trying to recapture. He closes his eyes and he kind of tries to kiss her back for a second. And then he's like trying to get that feeling back and then you can see him pull away it's so cringe yeah really good acting yeah i think there yeah like you can really feel how istrid is going through these emotions in his head during this moment and then he gets to this point where he's like yeah this is such a bad idea i am not gonna fall into this trap oh yeah especially because that gin would have fucking killed istrid <laughs> oh yeah fair enough yeah She's gotta be with God. No, I don't think I don't think there's a curse on Yen. Now this is <laughs> after after Istrid leaves and goes back to work, that's when the mage Vilgefort shows up and is like, hey Yen, we need to get the fuck out of here because Nilfgaard, they crazy. They're gonna be trying to conscript you as soon as they find out you're a mage, and you're just gonna be like a war slave. So let's peace out. Head back to Eratusa, do the thing. Yeah, um, at the, the mage thing. At the uh, mage's meeting, Fringilla does confirm when the, somebody accuses her of the conscription, she confirms that all young people that show any magical aptitude aptitude are conscripted to be trained. In the magical arts and then forced into the military. And she's just like, it 
it's for a greater cause, so it it's for their benefit. I'm I'm not worried about it. Like <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I mean we see this interesting juxtaposition where Nilfgaard is like funding academic research and archaeology, but it's very self-serving. They're yeah. hire or they're, sorry, they're hiring. They're hiring soldiers. <laughs> they're recruiting soldiers. They're I mean, for lack of a better word, brainwashing or like using this evangelized apocalyptic prophecy yeah. to kind of win over the hearts and minds of their people and get them to fight this war of the end times, basically. Yeah. But they're also funding, you know, research, which is <laughs> kind of an interesting juxtaposition with modern imperialistic war efforts that include kind of a like research component yeah i also was wondering if all of the workers helping at the dig site they kind of seemed like they were maybe indentured servants or something that didn't seem really voluntary maybe they were slaves there were guards there watching over them yeah istrid has kind of got that position of well i'm like a head researcher so i'm okay yeah, he kind of turns a blind eye to all that stuff. He's he's cool with it. <laughs> I mean, I think it's one of those situations where he has wanted this so bad that he is kind of able to square it with, well, you know, we're doing important research. Like, we're going to find out the history of the world. And that's objective truth, right? Yeah. Spoilers, it's not in any context. No. F- fictional television program or real world. No. Yeah. It's like when you're at a clothing store and you see a nice coat that's only 20 bucks. You're like, how is it so cheap? I'm just going to get it. Slavery. Enough said. Yeah, it's unfortunate that that is... <sighs> we're, still We're still talking about the witch. We're still talking about the witch. We're still... I mean, the Nilf- it's kind of like... They really want you to know the Nilfgaards are bad dudes. <laughs> and they're laying it on really thick. I mean, it's hard to say, though, because one of the kind of overarching themes of the Witcher franchise in general is this kind of ambivalence where you go, well, Nilfgaard was really mistreated for a long time. Like, they're coming out of a time of incredible upheaval and very uncertain times where the people were starving and everything. And this new king is actually providing for the people of the land. Like, yes, it is brutal and inhumane what they're doing. But when people are disadvantaged to the point of like literally not being able to eat for years and years and, and like living in these destitute conditions it's kind of easy to see where they would take up arms for a cause that is like oh we're going to like have some glory now we're going to have a chance to eat this is how the nazi party got started and um entrenched in germany after world war one exactly and i think there's a real world correlation there between Nilfgaard and germany hold on You're telling me right now that fantasy villains can be inspired by the Nazis? (laughs) Whoa. I mean, Tolkien said that he hated allegory, but then we have Sauron, so. Yeah. I just think it's so funny that it's like, oh, there has to be a nation of bad guys. What should we inspire them off of? What if they were inspired by the Nazis? There we go. They write themselves. (laughs) It's just like Star Trek, Star Wars, uh, you know, uh, Lord of the Rings. Star Tours. Everything. Make the bad guys the Nazis. Everyone dislikes them. Yeah. They obfuscated a little bit more with the Witcher series, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. But, you know, in this episode, I think it becomes even more clear where the influences came from. Definitely. Yeah. And it seems sort of like Nilfgaard is also 
a pawn of fate, sort of like we were saying earlier. A lot of what's going on is just... It seems like it's been destined to happen. I almost feel like like relieving some of the blame off of Nilfgaard for that reason. Hmm. There, it seems almost unavoidable. Because everything we've seen is like, oh yeah, Nilfgaard was mistreated. Oh yeah, they sent this like mage there dishonorably ruining her career. The child surprise thing. It's like, did Nilfgaard ever have a chance not to become this? I don't think so. And Geralt kind of points out that Geralt says kingdoms rise and fall all the time. Queen Calanthe points out that there are all these different other kingdoms that go to war. And it's like, if it's not Nilfgaard, the next time it's going to be a different kingdom. Like, they all kind of trade off on kind of fucking each other over. Calanthe is like, yeah, I know that kingdoms fall all the time and that no ruler lives forever, but I'm never going to fall and I'm going to live forever. (laughs) Even if I fuck with fate, I'm never going to lose. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Well, let me tell you about five minutes from now when you're about to lose everything. Even when I poke fate with a sharp stick and annoy it while it's trying to sleep in the corner. It's like, did you have to, like, put the stick right into the bee's nest? Yeah. Hornet's nest? Hornet's nest. She's poking the hornet's nest, is what I'm saying. (laughs) Just the scene where Geralt has escaped from his cell. He kills some Nilfgaardian soldiers. He's, like, looking around to assess the situation. And just sees Calanthe's dead body on the ground. You just see his face that's just like, oh, fuck. Yeah, his eyes get all wide and he looks kind of freaked out. It was a pretty good moment. I don't want to say I told you so, but I I kind of told you so. Then he starts looking for Siri and he can't find her anywhere. So he takes off trying to look for her in the wrong direction. Man, too bad Calanthe didn't just hand over Siri to Geralt for safekeeping. Yeah. Oh, well. Sometimes the best thing a lion can do for us is that <laughs> No, that's not right. You know, I I also thought it was kind of strange with the whole loyalty thing when Taseya was trying to call upon Yen's loyalty to something other than herself. Taseya must have forgotten everything she ever knew about Yennefer in that moment when she's like Come on, it's me, Tissaia, your mother figure. It's like, she hates you. I mean, like, I don't know if hates the right word. I mean, she despises her. Yen was just smiling at her, gloating in that moment, like loving every second of Tissaia begging her for help. I mean, I was just thinking about, like, Yen is like 60 years old, right? Around Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And... I'm just, like, in the series, since she left Eratusa, she's spoken to to Seiya twice, I think. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. At least. That we've seen. In, in the series, I'm like, how often do they talk? They certainly seem like they still have that sort of, like, mentor-turned-co-worker relationship, right? Right. And, like, they still have that strong bond that's been there for a long time. But, like... Yen doesn't seem like the type to keep in touch. You know what I'm saying? No. Is it like 10 years between their conversations? Probably, Something yeah. Like that. Yeah. What did Taseya say to Yen when she visited her through astral projection in the last episode? It was something like, Yen, you're using boner magic. You're irresponsible and you've fallen from the court graces. You're a disgrace to mages. Stop using boner magic for peasant pennies. <laughs> and Yen is like, fuck you, Taseya. I'm not playing your games. I'm outside of the cycle of abuse that you mages go through. In fact, uh, fuck off. I'm going to give myself a womb. And Tissaia's like, a what? And and Yen is like, a womb. (laughs) Why do you want that? Uh, Well, because I want to be a mother. And then Tissaia just starts laughing really loudly and Yen hangs up. (laughs) Hangs up the astral projection. Yes. 
That's how I remember it. How do I turn this thing? She's just like going over to Sasea, like trying to poke her. Like, how do I make you disappear? So in this scene, when she's asking Yen for help, she says, please. And Yen just kind of like really is hanging on that word and loving it and just staring at her face. And she just says, when was the last time you said that word? Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> And it kind of leaves it up to your imagination what happens after that. Oh, that talk about hanging up on astral projections reminds me of magic. Yep. You know what magic reminds me of? Prophecies. And you know what prophecies remind me of? Siri. Siri. Yeah, yeah exactly. The prophecy exactly. child. Yeah. Yeah. And you remember you were mentioning the how she stole that nice woman's horse. Yep. Right? Classic nobles just taking what they want from the working classes. Yeah, and she's it's she's true. talking to the horse. Yeah, she's a thief. She's cynical. She's not nice this episode. She stole this horse. She's camping in a bog. She's in a swamp. She's swampy. <laughs> and she's talking to the horse. And a couple of guys who were up to no good came up and they said... Started making trouble in her swamp? <laughs> yes. Precisely. And she's like, what the f- Hey, I know you guys. We played the, those bone games together. And they start pushing her around and stealing her stuff. And she's like, what the fuck? I thought we were gamers. I thought we were buddies. We, we used to play games in the streets of Sintra. And he's yeah. like, um, um, you still don't get it, do you? You've always been a stuck-up brat, right? And we've always been poor. We were paid to let you in. And yeah. stuff like that, which was so brutal. Because those were her only friends, and it turns out they were just hanging with her because they were starving peasants. Yeah. Who <laughs> were doing it for payment. Yeah. And then they were stealing from Siri, who stole from others. But anyway, don't think about that. <laughs> it was messed up. And were, they were getting violent as well. But that's when Siri's magical power lashes out. Yeah, we see that Siri has this ability, you know, from the very first episode, when she is under duress, she can explode with this terrifying magic. But this time, things are even more prophetic, as it were, because she, like, not only uses this, in, like, this push magic, but she starts spouting this prophecy that we read a little bit earlier yeah. about the end times and everything and the and the wolf winter or the blizzard wolf wolf blizzard it's all that crazy Carol's, crap. um <laughs> snowy locks yeah yes his hair will encompass the world but so what do you guys think <laughs> is the significance of her now reciting the prophecy while she is using this magic to defend herself it only happens when she's like really going hard right well it seems like there's a a, a confluence uh, not only of magical energies you know out there somewhere but also of all of these different events kind of coming to a head in that part of the timeline and so there are multiple paths of destiny kind of coming together and so it probably inspired this bout of prophecy out of her. Yeah, I'm thinking like she's at this point, like getting closer and closer to her goal and everything. She's becoming like a conduit to the magical energy oh, of the prophecy. Yeah. Maybe because mm -hmm. she's getting closer to Geralt potentially. And for all we know, I mean, fulfilling her destiny. Maybe she, it was a she might be getting to close to him. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> Who can say? It's hard to say. I wouldn't say. All right, guys. Well, we have covered a lot of this episode. I think it's time to move on to final thoughts for this week's episode before a fall. I have a final thought. All right. When we see Geralt... The titular witcher. Yes. When he's in his cell and 
he's hearing the sounds of the Nilfgaardian invasion within the city. He's just sitting on his knees, meditating, yep. with his eyes closed in the cell, just sort of waiting for when he thinks the time is right. And when he breaks out of there so easily, effortlessly, right? He's the witcher. He could have used probably a hand sign to do it as well, right? Yep. He's really in there with his own consent. <laughs> Basically, I think uh, he was hoping they would let him out on their own. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't want it to have to be violent. Uh, but yeah, when he eventually escaped, he goes out there. Like I mentioned earlier, he kills some Nilfgaardian soldiers. But when I say he kills them, I mean... These are four trained soldiers, right? They're warriors for a living. And Geralt dispatches with them like he's cutting a stick of butter into <laughs> corridors. Yeah. I like they to, die. I like to cut butter with a sword, too. <laughs> yes, it, it it is like he cut butter with a sword. I like to cut my sandwiches with a throwing axe. Yes. They're just, yes. they're not always even, you know? But, you know, yeah. I'm getting better. I like to throw grenades at my milk. <laughs> <laughs> Just dive for cover. That's Holy the era hell. of madness that Siri was talking about. <laughs> hey, man, will you get me a milk? Yeah, sure, no problem. Throws a grenade <laughs> in the kitchen. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that's that's my mornings. Every morning I explode. And uh, But yeah, Geralt? He kills these guys. It's brutal. I just think it's so funny how the city is under invasion by a notoriously vicious military group. Yeah. And he's walking around like he like it's like it's a windy day. And he has to like like slap some leaves away. <laughs> it's like it's, it's nothing. He doesn't even care. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, where's Siri? She's probably in trouble. This Geralt guy is pretty impressive. They should make a show about him. Or maybe yeah. a book or a movie or a video game. Or a song and a game. <laughs> um, this show is way better than a movie about Geralt. Yeah. We get more. Yeah, we way. get a lot more Cavill this way. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And we can never yes. get enough. True. <laughs> well, guys, we're not going to have to worry about getting enough because I heard that uh, season two just wrapped shooting. The other Hell day. yeah. Yay! But let's yeah. not get too excited now because that's that's still a ways off. Yeah. Final thoughts. I want to know what Siri did to those dudes, man. Oof. <laughs> that was part of the prophecy. It was a great poop. A great poop. 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 Pee pee. <laughs> and a Geralt makes three. And. <laughs> Remember? <laughs> yeah. I I do. The arrow of shit and face and cum is nigh. <laughs> Toss a coin to your witcher. Was it that's was just it Bernie show. was it Bernie Handers who said that? Yeah, it was it was Bernie Handers. <laughs> The mage who sticks up for all the orcs and goblins. That's right. Yeah. He, his uh, chariot got delayed on the way to the meeting, the wizard meeting, yeah. but he was supposed to be in that scene. Damn it. I would have loved to have seen Burning Handers. Yeah. He had the people of Sintra need our support. Oh, he would have loved that He would have turned them. He would have got a... Actually, no, wait. He would say, let fucking Sintra pay for, uh, you know, the people's food and and you know healthcare. Yeah. i don't think you would have supported calanthe actually nah. no she's commits genocide against the elves mm -hmm. she's she's one of the baddies okay <laughs> he would have just said let's tax Sintra into oblivion <laughs> yeah. yes yeah he would have wanted to help them to tax them later <laughs> yeah <laughs> 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 just yeah we'll help you for a cut of your taxes <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! to, to go to your poorest citizens yeah yes exactly 
Calanthe's like, you want me to help the poor? You go too far, Burning Handers. I I just go to murder the poor if they try to <laughs> protest and say that <laughs> they deserve more than what I give them. Don't you remember that episode where she comes yes. out covered in the peasant's blood? I remember very vividly. Yeah. I give them free transportation. Oh, you give your poor free transportation? Yeah, to the afterlife. Lamau. <laughs> no! Calanthe, <laughs> bad. <laughs> and then Ice high fives her. <laughs> oh, damn it, Ice. I know. I mean, like she, I said. That is pretty evil, but she's just so hot. Ice! <laughs> she She's one of the baddies. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta give I gotta give Iced and Calanthe one thing. They do seem to have a very loving relationship yeah, for true. each other. Yeah, they're great. I love them. And you know what? They even died on the same day. <laughs> Just like every couple aspires to do. That's so romantic. <laughs> yeah. Any other final thoughts, Chelsea? <laughs> That's that, it. Does that just about cover it? I think it? we should go out on that cheery note. Oh, you don't want me to have any? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I can I can I can skip it. You were stalling so long I didn't realize. Stalling? <laughs> How dare you? I don't stall. A dungeon manager is never early, nor is he ever late. He arrives at the end of the episode exactly when he intends to. Oh. Right now. Yeah, it's true. In fact, that's why they call you Jamie the Punctual. Yeah. That's right, exactly. I'm glad that you picked up on that thread. Yes. <laughs> well, I think we've pretty much covered everything there is to say about this episode, guys. But we'd like to thank you all for joining us for another episode of Satire TV, the title of these that I forgot to mention at the beginning of the show. Yep. And, you know, if you want to keep up with everything we do here at Swords and Satire and find out what movies we're going to be watching every week and see some, I'm going to say, passable to very good memes. You can follow us on social media at Swords and Satire or join the Swords and Satire Facebook group. And if you have a few extra coins to throw to your friendly podcasters, you can head over to patreon.com slash swords and satire. Become one of our patrons today to get tons of great extra content. like Everybody's favorite word, content. <laughs> like our rewriting history episodes. And you could participate in our monthly polls where you vote on one of the movies we're going to watch next. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that our listeners will be content with the content that they get from our Patreon. I hope so. I think I just lost us like 100 listeners right there. And if you don't have any coins to toss to your favorite podcasters, then uh, perhaps assemble a council of your favorite friends and tell them about Swords and Satire. Or listen to it all together and uh, get angry if anyone interrupts while you're listening. <laughs> well then, until next time, Hail Crom! fucking wild. <laughs>